Get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com. What up, traders? Welcome back to the SPACs attack. You guys already know where you guys are at. We're going to talk a lot about some SPACs moving today. We got a little bit getting a little pump up, but definitely we'll talk a little bit about that. We got a great interview to get into. Yes, yes, we're going to get into box.com. So definitely stay tuned for that. Give us a big thumbs up and let's go ahead and start the show. Welcome to the SPACs attack. Boom, baby. What's going on, traders around the world? I hope you guys are excited as I am for the interview coming up next. But definitely, let's go ahead and bring on my man, the brains to this show, Chris Catchy. Hey, what's going on, brother? Yeah, excited for this interview today. We're going to talk box. That's S-B-O-K. We also have some headlines out there. And Mitch... For the second day in a row, we got two new deals. So, you know, that long holiday weekend looks like everyone wants to come back from the holiday and uh, start announcing these SPAC deals. So uh, we'll definitely get into that, too. Yeah, it's a tough day in the market out there right now. We're seeing an overall pullback in the market. We'll see if we get some pushback towards the 12 o'clock hour. A lot of times you can get sometimes kind of these downward trends at the open and then a reversal going into the close. So that's what we're going to be paying attention to. And I'll just say that for overall stocks, not just SPACs itself. Uh, definitely seeing a little bit of a hit. Uh, when you If you have a portfolio today, I'm sure you're not seeing too many uh, green action out there. Got a decent down day, but hey, these are days where you want to go ahead and look for opportunities out there to go ahead and buy on the dips versus buy on the rips. Yeah, definitely. That's why you have a plan, right? You have some stocks on watch list, you know, with Benzinga Pro, we of course, you know, there's a watch list tool where you can add tickers right there and then you can watch and on a day like today, you know, it might be time to uh, size into some of these positions. Uh, you know, because it's a buying opportunity on a, a red day like today. So, uh, you know, definitely an opportunity. But we do have some movers out there too, Mitch, uh, you know, to talk about. What? So uh, we, we got some we got some that I found that are green today. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that, though. But, yeah. Did you say take us back to the headlines, Chris? Let's go. I, I did. Let's go. Take all right, guys. Yeah, so let's get into headlines. So a couple of the green SPACs today um, are moving after being mentioned by Jim Cramer last night. So, of course, we've talked Jim Cramer lots of times on this show. He has had a tendency to uh, flip-flop on how he feels about SPACs. Um, now he's going after uh, de-SPAC'd companies. So he actually called out four names last night on the show that went public via SPAC that he thinks, you know, could be good stocks to get into. So his D-SPAC favorites are SKIN, STEM, SOFI, and MAPS. So I should note that all of these are up, you know, decent since since the original IPO. So he's not really picking any under the radar ones here. We've called most of these out recently, you know, SOFI we've discussed heavily. Maps, I am long. I've been talking about that one for a while. That one was actually up double digits in after hours trading last night. And at least on my watch list looks to be one of the biggest movers today um, in SPAC. Skin also up 5%. So 
Kramer sometimes has been able to move some of these SPACs on mention, and it looks like that's what happened last night. But pay attention to some of these names getting love. We have LEGO, that's Lego, not the toy company, but a SPAC merging with Algoma Steel. This is one that I own. Yesterday, it was announced that the company got up to $420 million in federal funding to transition to cleaner technology in Canada. Um, they're working on phasing out their coal-fired processes for electric arc furnace production. So the company had a news conference with Prime Minister Justin Trudeau where they announced that, um, you know, that that's a big deal, right? You got the Prime Minister of the country uh, announcing up to $400 million in funding to help your transition. This is a steel company. We've seen steel very hot this year. Um, this is one I am long and, and I like, and I don't think this story is getting enough attention um, that deal yesterday. Shares are still at 1017. So keep an eye out on LEGO, guys. That's one of my favorites here, uh, a steel SPAC deal. Another hey, great hey. Go ahead. Go ahead. Let go, my ego. <laughs> like, you know, every time I see that ticker LEGO, Mitch, I, I really just wish it was the toy company because after all, uh, I spend enough money on Legos each year to where why would I not own stock of that company? But it is private, unfortunately. Uh, another favorite of mine, GNPK. This is one of my favorite space stocks out there. Merging with Redwire. So Redwire is going to hold an analyst day July 9th. That's two days away. GNPK was one of those space stocks that still hasn't really caught up to the others that have been running. We're trading at 1057. I really think this gets some interest this week, you know, with that analyst day. So keep an eye out on this one. Um, I'm watching it, you know, at the 10 uh, to 10.50 level. We're slightly over that right now, but GNPK on watch today. Our two deals yesterday, we had KVSB up 16% on that deal with Nextdoor. That's one of the biggest, um, you know, jumps that we've seen in the last two or three months on deal announcements. So positive sign for the SPAC market. We also had CFV up 1.5% on that deal announcement. So another day with two deal announcements, both trading favorably at the end of the day. And then speaking of deals, of course, as I said, we had two deals today. So up first, we have ATHN um, bringing solar energy company Heliogen public. This is a leading provider of artificial intelligence enabled concentrated solar energy. So Heliogen has a mission to empower a sustainable future with low cost dispatchable concentrated solar energy as an affordable alternative to fossil fuels. They offer a closed loop AI enabled technology um, for commercialization. They partner with customers in the industrial mining and energy sector. They have some proprietary technology um, you know, to help concentrate the sun's rays and, you know, do that solar energy. So again, I don't have all the information on this one yet, but definitely like, you know, the industrial mining and energy sectors being the focus here. This was done at a $2 billion valuation. Uh, company still in the early stages, 8 million revenue projected this year and 24 million in fiscal 2022. 
Um, so this one I, I need to do some more research on. I, I do like the solar sector. I know Mitch has been a big fan of the solar sector as well, but it looks like this one, you know, definitely on the early side of things. And then our other SPAC deal out there, DMYQ, that's DMY Technology Group Inc. 4, uh, from our friend of the show, Niccolo Damasi, announcing a SPAC deal with Planet. This is a earth data and analytics company um, powered by satellites, valuing the company at $2.8 billion. $200 million pipe includes investments from BlackRock, uh, Time Ventures, and Google, um, you know, who was already an investor in Planet. That's that's a good one here in the pipe, right? Anytime you have Google involved in the pipe on a SPAC deal, I think it definitely jumps out. Planet has a network of 200 satellites. They're the largest Earth imaging satellite company producing 25 terabytes of data per day. They have over 600 customers who pay subscription revenue to the company, those customers coming from 65 countries. Segments the company targets include agriculture, defense and intelligence, civil, mapping, forestry, energy, finance, and insurance. So they have this huge data set. They call it a Bloomberg-like terminal for Earth data. They can sell their data and analytics multiple times to multiple customers, which helps with their margins. So Demasi praised the company's scalable data-as-a-service subscription business, saying it's the fuel that powers the global economy. He also said Planet is on the path to become one of the most consequential companies in a generation. So Planet intends to use the proceeds to expand their operations and services in existing markets and expand into new markets. They said that they're years ahead of the competition with the largest fleet. They also are targeting two multi-trillion dollar economic shifts. That's the 100 trillion market of digital transformation and a 53 trillion dollar market for sustainability transformation. So revenue of 96 million in 2020, 113 million in 2021. Revenue has grown 27% annually from 2016 to 2021. They're projecting revenue to grow 44% annually from 21 to 2026. And 2022 revenue of 130 million estimated with 65% of that total already fully committed. Revenue split fairly even by sector. I really like this part. Um, you know, civil makes up 24%, agriculture, 23%, defense, 22%, and mapping, 17%. So highly diversified across several sectors. Um, you know, we're, we're fans of satellite companies on the show. Uh, what do you think, Mitch, of, uh, you know, the satellite company, already 200 satellites out there, and they said they might be years ahead of the competition. What do you think of this deal that uh, Demasi's bringing us? Demasi, Demasi, Demasi. You're taking all my money, man. <laughs> You're taking all my money. All I could do is just to, I, I don't do this often, guys, buy a CEO, but man. This guy just keeps taking the deals that I like. So, hey, uh, shout out to Niccolo. Uh, definitely, definitely. What I look for, right, in these companies, right, I've, I've talked about it, space, what I look for, satellites. 
satellite satellites we were talking about it yesterday it looks like we got a couple of these now coming through so now one of the things that you need to start thinking about is like i, I talked about it yesterday that basket approach because i think this is really where you're going to start learning that hey there's so many out there now okay so now i got to go ahead and figure out which one's going to be the winner sometimes you can't really pick the winner but one thing you can do is diversify in that basket and look for the technology itself to increase in the tam so that's what I'm going to be looking for. Um, I've, I've been a big believer about satellite imaging. I mean, since day one, Google Earth. But, you know, Google really, I mean, is going to get towards the point where their technology is actually going to be a, a little bit back. And, and it's kind of in prior. They need to advance it. And so, like, what you mentioned about the pipe was very interesting because it could be something like that. You know, they, they still need to advance their data set. And so one of the things that is being mentioned is something like this. One of the things that I always like satellite companies is because you mentioned their defense contracts. I mean, those those pay. Let me just yeah, say and that. I, I couldn't even get into all the names, but Mitch, they have over 600 customers. You know, I saw NASA on there. I saw the U.S. government on there. But Google, I mean, Google invested in Planet prior to this deal, and, and they're coming back with their checkbook investing in the pipe. So, you know, it seems to me like they believe in this company you know, they're not just saying, hey, we already invested in this company, you know, we're, we're just going to sit back and, you know, watch. They're saying, yeah, we, we, we see growth ahead. We're going to invest again in the company. And, you know, I really like the fact that diversified revenue, Mitch, you know, 23 or 24% coming from egg, 23% coming from defense, you know, not all powered by the same segment, which could help, you know, when one area sees a decline. So I, I, I like this deal. Well, we'll have to get in touch with uh, our, our pal, Niccolo Damasi, to come on the show and he can break down, you know, exactly why they did this deal. So I, I'm looking forward to it. Well, once again, taking out my money, man. <laughs> <laughs> and he's got more specs coming. He's got another one, I think, that still uh, hasn't IPO'd yet. So, you know, we're, we're going to have to get into that one as well. So. Hey, uh, at least I can't. I can't say the guy does, doesn't have a good eye. Uh, I mean, he gets in a lot of the things that uh, in the areas that I like. Um, I mean, when you when you think about it, it hasn't only been in one area, right? We first started kind of more in sports, RSI, Genius Sports, then moving into quantum computing, now moving into satellite imaging. Different areas, but definitely areas that are on my radar, you know, and, and that's what I would mention. It's not necessarily it's just Niccolo. Look at the areas that he's going after. And that really interests me. Those those kind of areas, sports betting, sports data, satellite imaging, and, and, and in the long run, for sure, quantum computing. I mean, we, we know how that's really going to play in. I mean, where has computers gone, right? I mean, that's just the next step. Like you can't, you can't say that, you know, 20, 30 years ago, you thought computers were, I mean, I still remember the internet speeds of di uh, dial up and, and then you'd get disconnected because someone picked up the phone in the house. You'd be like, no, why'd you do it? I was downloading a song and now it's not going to go all the way. That That's where we're going to. And so th this is what I always try to do. You guys know I'm always about the story. So uh, let's go ahead. We'll transition here and segue into another story which is box.com. Let's go ahead and let's get into that area. This is where we go ahead and unlock some specs. Let's get into our interview. We got them already waiting and, and, and we're super excited. Let's get it started.
All right, guys. Super excited. Another exclusive interview here on SPAX Attack. Joining us on the show today, we have Che Huang. He is the co-founder and CEO of Boxed Company going public with Seven Oaks Acquisition Corp. That ticker is SVOK. Welcome to SPAX Attack, Che. What's going on, Chris? What's going on, Mitch? It's great to welcome, be here. Welcome, welcome. Avid, uh, avid viewer, uh, honored to be the first time guest here. So, uh, as long yeah, as we're so happy to hear that. Awesome. As long as we got a little bit into the future, we're not on dial up. The connection is good. <laughs> it's also <laughs> well, going to be hard to follow what you guys are talking about with, uh, with Nicola there. So, uh, hey, you know, I'll try hey. my best, though. You know, it's hard, <laughs> it's a hard act to follow. Hey. Well, definitely, definitely. One of the things that we like to do is definitely unlock specs. So let's go ahead. Let's get into some questions. Chris, knock some out, and I'll be back with some of my own. Awesome. So, you know, Che, we're, we're SPACs attack. We talk all things SPACs and former SPACs. So the big question we always like to start with, you know, is why a SPAC deal to bring Box public? And, and was a traditional IPO also a consideration for your company? Sure. It was also a consideration for the company. But um, uh, when you look at the SPAC product, I do think we will be the poster child of how to use that product and that path to public in the right way. So two main reasons why we did it. Uh, one is the quantum of capital uh, that we could raise. So when you look at uh, the pipe that we raise, as well as the, the, the money that SVOK has in trust, you know, you really have a quantum of capital of over $300 million, depending on redemptions. And so that ability to raise over $300 million potentially not available to us if we went the traditional way uh, through a traditional IPO. Uh, second is also, how can we tell the story about the future? Um, so when you look at Box, there's some really exciting business units that are growing. One is our B2B business. After we took a, um, a hit to it last year because of COVID, that business is now growing again. And so what does that look like into the future? As well as that software business that you talked about when we announced the deal uh, a few weeks ago, um, selling the software that underpins our entire business, like everything that you see behind me right now, that's also a business that just got started. If we filed a traditional S1, went on a traditional roadshow, you know, we just really couldn't tell that story the way that we wanted to. Perfect. Yeah, I, I love the background. You know, you're, you're there at work showing us, you know, the behind the scenes experience now. So, you know, you dove in a little bit to some of the specifics and we'll get to that later on. But for viewers out there who don't know Boxed, give us the, the brief summary of what Boxed is all about. So we are an e-commerce wholesaler as well as an e-commerce enabler. So on the e-commerce wholesale side of the business, we service you know, business, uh, businesses around the country, consumers around the country looking to stock up on bulk consumables. So think Oreo cookies, uh, disinfectant wipes, toilet paper, uh, paper towels, all those things that you need to not only manage your household, but also your businesses uh, as well. And we deliver that to anywhere in the lower 48 states. All the technology that powers that business from the front end e-commerce systems to the inventory management system, warehouse management system, and even the robots that we use these days are engineered and built by us. All that technology is now packaged up and powers our e-commerce enablement side of the business where we're beginning to license that technology to big enterprise retailers around the world. So e-commerce wholesale, e-commerce enablement is basically what Box is about. Perfect. So yeah, that business to consumer business, you know, is the one that people might know the best. Sure. Um, over 450,000 customers, 
um, an average order value of $96 in 2020. Can you just break down, you know, some of the dynamics of this business? You know, who are some of the customers? How are you growing customers in this segment, um, you know, in the B2C, uh, you know, industry? Yeah, I love the fact that you mentioned uh, uh, kind of uh, where we were uh, last year when it comes to not only customer count, but average order value. So AOV is so key on how we differentiate ourselves uh, between all the other players out there and also why we built our own technology. So the average basket for a B2C customer, the average has eight items in a single order, eight bulk items in a single order. So if you think about your own shopping habits online anecdotally, or if you just look at all, you know, all of your orders over last year, it's rare that you're, you're getting eight items at once shipped to your house. So the technology to power that, the fulfillment uh, kind of uh, processes to power that, it's all custom to us, uh, not out of kind of luxury, but out of need because uh, not a lot of folks are, are shipping that much. Because we're packing so much into that single box, um, it allows us to actually make some money on a gross margin side of things, even though we traditionally ship and sell, quote unquote, lower margin items like cookies, paper towels and such. Uh, one other thing to note is that, you know, most folks equate us with, oh, uh, Fox, it's an online kind of consumables bulk wholesaler. It must be by coastal. We have a great business on the coast, but actually, if you look in some of the slides that we put later in the, in the presentation that you have up, um, you know, our recent survey counted almost 70% of our customers that responded um, were actually uh, from small towns across the Midwest or rural counties all across the country. Uh, and so uh, uh, for us, that's a very differentiated demographic that's underserved traditionally by e-commerce. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, I, I see in the presentation, you know, we see obviously some some big name items, right? We see, you know, well-known brands like Heinz, Bounty, um, you know, and others. But one of the slides that stuck out to me is this Prince and Spring private label. Um, you know, obviously we know some private label brands can, you know, bring, you know, better margins. And so can you talk a little bit about this private brand, um, you know, that Boxed has and can, you know, recommend to customers ordering from the platform? Yeah, so it's another great bright spot for the company. Uh, it started off life as Princeton Green. Uh, it was a corner of, of kind of our office back in the day. Uh, but as we thought about filing the trademark, we, you know, uh, someone raised their hand very astutely in the meeting was like, I think there's already a PNG out there, boys. So uh, we actually uh, went and uh, changed it to uh, Prince and Spring. I know they never intersect in New York City for all the uh, Manhattanites out there, uh, but it was the closest intersection we can get. So Prince and Spring is our private brand. As you can see from the slide, um, it's only 7% of our SKU count. You know, we do limited SKU to make browsing easier. So it's already limited in terms of SKU count, but 7% of that already limited SKU count is not a lot of SKU, so it's about 100 plus uh, uh, actual SKUs or items. Um, but on 7% or on just 100 items, it accounts for almost 14% of our business, sometimes fluctuating up to 20% of our business. So we control the supply chain, we control the margins, and so um, it is a very good bright spot uh, in our B2C and B2B business. Awesome. And then, yeah, so you mentioned the the B2B business a little bit. Um, you know, that's a segment that it looks like saw, you know, strong growth prior to the COVID pandemic. Obviously, that disrupted the business a little bit, you know, with many people working from home, businesses shut down. Um, you know, it looks like you guys, though, are ready for, for that business to come back. So can you talk a little bit about the post-COVID recovery of that business-to-business -business growth that the company had been seeing? Yeah, it's a real good tie back to your original question when, when I first joined here, uh, Chris, uh, um, on why SPAC. And so, 
you know, when folks think box, it's like, oh, yeah, I ordered bulk toilet paper from there last year in the middle of the pandemic. So our B2C business grew at a great pace. Um, but at the same time, uh, our B2B business, which traditionally was almost a quarter of our business, uh, actually took a real big hit, saw some big headwinds because of, like you said, you know, folks are generally working from home. The airlines that we service just weren't flying as much. Um, and so being able to tell the story of how that looks uh, in recovery mode uh, as we go into 21, as we go into 22, was really a story that we can only tell uh, through an S4 and through uh, uh, the SPAC way of going public. Um, but overall, we service kind of uh, um, small to medium-sized businesses. If you think about uh, how they work these days, you walk into your typical office, you know, uh, the office manager, he or she is no longer that worried about ink and toner uh, uh, or paper and pens. Uh, but they're really uh, thinking about coffee and pantry. Like if we run out of paper here, everyone says, no, oh, okay, we'll, we'll go get more paper. If we run out of coffee uh, and snacks in the office, this place is going to burn down by 5 p.m. And so people will have their pitchforks out. And so uh, really servicing those SMBs uh, with coffee and those supplies to run their business is what we do, as well as the enterprise in Fortune 500 and Fortune 100 companies. So we saw huge tail, huge tailwinds in B2C, huge headwinds in B2B, but we're already seeing the country recover. So uh, we're going to be a part of that recovery trade, we believe. No, no, no on the no coffee. That's a, that's a no. <laughs> yeah, I think you guys would just walk off the set if there's no coffee. Just yeah, not, you, you know, know, I can only imagine, yeah, a place, you know, with workers and when you don't have coffee. So that, that's a great point there, you know. So, so on the flip side of, you know, the negative impacts of the pandemic, you know, one thing we've definitely heard more of is, you know, the shift to online retail um, and one of those areas that it looks like was underpenetrated was online grocery, you know, yeah. where the U.S. is actually lower um, than the U.K. and China, ac according to your presentation. Can you talk a little bit about how the U.S. online grocery segment is growing and, and maybe how the pandemic, you know, increased the rate of expansion here? Yeah, if you just look at that industry, it's going to be about a 20 percent CAGR. You know, there's folks that are a little bit under that for projecting. Uh, out way more in terms of that industry. But thereabouts, you know, you see the number that we put up here, it's about 20%, uh, we believe. And if you look at where we are today versus the UK versus China, we're still relatively underpenetrated. So there's a, still a lot of room to go in a gigantic, you know, $100 billion market today. Uh, and so when you think about over the, the forecast period into 2024, um, it's going to be closer to a $200 billion plus market. And so uh, we think as long as we get our fair share, as long as uh, the other big folks are also getting their fair share, there'll be a lot of growth to go around here. Uh, and it won't be, hey, the U.S. market is ahead of everyone else and uh, who knows where the market goes. You can look at a litany of other countries where online grocery has, has, has seen outsized growth compared to the U.S. And we think that will be the future here as well. So again, it's not a zero-sum game. If you just look at the off offline world, Costco didn't have to beat Walmart to build a very big business. Um, uh, Chewy didn't have to beat Amazon to build a very big business as well. We feel like the market's going to be so much, so big and so much money is spent uh, online and grocery these days that it won't be a winner take all game. Uh, folks will buy food in different outlets. 
Perfect. So, you know, uh, with going public, you now have, you know, the, the money coming in from the SPAC merger, uh, you know, an easier access to capital here. One of the things I see in the presentation, you know, is adding fulfillment centers. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, so I'm here in Michigan, if I place an order, you know, with Boxed, how quickly does that arrive? And how can more fulfillment centers maybe uh, help with shipping times and accessing more customers in the U.S.? Yeah, shipping times and shipping costs as well. So right now we service about 91% of the country in two days or less, about 43% overnight. Free shipping, uh, you know, all via ground because we cut up the country into different zones. So you would only shop your local fulfillment center. So we're here in New Jersey right now. Um, uh, you know, folks that shopping out in Las Vegas, they're going to shop the Vegas fulfillment center. They're not going to see anything in our East Coast fulfillment center. But as we build more fulfillment centers uh, from the three we have today to eight in the forecast period, uh, as we outlined, what you're going to find is the, uh, the shipping time is going to decrease. You know, we'll start to cover a majority of the country or vast majority of the country overnight. Again, all with ground and, and, uh, and free shipping above certain thresholds, depending on how much you spend. Um, what we also find uh, that that will help us do is because we're cutting the country up into smaller zones, um, the packages have to travel less and we get charged less and we'll be able to pass along some of those savings along to our customers as well uh, and hope uh, uh, be able to hopefully be able to grow our margin. Um, the last thing there is that, remember, we build our own technology, even down to the fulfillment automation robotics. And so we can get into our newest fulfillment centers, the ones that are fully automated by our robots uh, for less than a million bucks. Uh, and so as you look at the financial forecast, a lot of folks were shocked uh, as we were doing the roadshow where, where's the CapEx? You must be missing the CapEx line here. No, the CapEx line is there. It just only costs us about a million bucks to get into an FC because we write the software, we build the hardware. Uh, so it's whatever it costs us to buy those raw materials. Yeah, perfect. I know Mitch has some great questions on the technology side of things. One more from me before I turn it over to Mitch with those questions. You know, we see in the presentation a goal of $1 billion in sales by 2026. Can you just walk us through, you know, some of the big picture items? How does Box get to $1 billion in sales? What's the growth plan and maybe some plans for, you know, mergers and acquisitions uh, down the road? So uh, absolutely. You know, when you look at uh, us, again, uh, as I, who I hope I think will be viewed in the future as, hey, this was a prime candidate of why the SPAC product is good for, for the world and for, uh, for the financial markets. This was a prime candidate, uh, partially because what we want to show the public uh, is that we're going to just grow at the same CAGR we were growing at. So if you look back three, four, five years, we're growing at that 30 plus percent CAGR um, uh, to where we are today. So uh, after a wonky year in 2020, after $300 million injected into the company, we believe and we think reasonably so that we'll continue to grow at that 30% CAGR. Um, the gross margin side of things as well, that's also very important. Um, you know, 14% uh, in 2020, uh, after shipping, after dunnage, after all those costs, um, that was actually negative 13 uh, when you go back to 2016. So uh, we've grown that by many, many percentage points. Now that we're start starting to sell our software, now that we're getting to scale, another 16 points, it's, we think it's achievable. It's actually less than what we achieved over that same forecast period uh, in our last three to four years. So again, um, uh, when you look at, when, and I really encourage everyone to take a look at the materials. It's a very simple uh, uh, kind of business plan that we have set forth. Um, additional headcount in terms of allowing us to uh, uh, have more sales folks in the B2B side of things, selling more software, 
um, actually having consistent a consistent budget for marketing. These are all really simple things uh, that we've had kind of inconsistent access to over the years that with $300 million, we're going to have pretty consistent access to in the coming four to five years. All right. I'm going to go ahead and jump in here and talk a little bit about the tech. Let's start talking a little bit about the comprehensive in-house and how it's a complete platform here from the storefront all the way to automation. And I think this is really important. I mean, we always move towards kind of more automation and convenience to go ahead and help those margins. Um, How do you guys achieve this complete and how is it really going to help the business in the long run, especially the automation side? Yeah, it, it's, it's been a long journey. Uh, it's so, you know, when we sat in the garage where we first started almost eight years ago, we didn't have any of this technology. All we had was a giant button that took the website down in case we got overloaded with orders. On day one, uh, we didn't get overloaded with orders. Uh, and so that button didn't need to be used. Uh, and so maybe there's a bit of hubris of why we designed that button uh, uh, in the beginning. Um, but throughout uh, the history of the company, what we found is that our key value proposition to consumers as well as investors is our large baskets, eight items on average for B2C, 15 items on average for B2B clients. And that excludes the enterprise. Enterprise are, they're ordering truckloads of things. And so when you think about eight items per basket, 15 items per basket, not a lot of folks are doing that. So we had to develop that technology from scratch. So everything you see here, storefront, biz ops, the seller tech, the ad tech, the ad platform that we did, that, that we built where folks like PNG can come in and, and invest uh, uh, $100,000 into cost per click kind of at the point of spend, ROI positive ad spend, we all built that ourselves, even down to the automation. So uh, that allows us ultimate flexibility in how we are able to architect the platform. Simple things like coming onto our site and seeing uh, uh, the expiration date of the item you're gonna sell. No other retailer that I know of in America has the technology or the wherewithal to do that today. Sounds simple, but because we built it all uh, in-house, it allows us to do that. Of course, automation and being able to Uh, take fingerprints and footsteps out of the uh, equation, increase safety uh, as we send uh, these boxes out the door, also increase margin for us as we begin to automate and further automate our fulfillment centers. Um, So all of that combined allows us uh, um, or is enabled by us building that tech ourselves. Yeah, great. It's great to have an ecosystem. Let's go ahead and let's get into the next slide here that I want to talk about, which is, of course, the opportunity here and and a service as 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 service here. As so, one of the things that I really focus on is always trying to create that that revenue, right? That yeah. uh, if we could have reoccurring revenue, I mean, who do, who doesn't like to see that at the bottom line? So, of course, this opportunity is massive. Let us know how you guys are really trying to attack this. And of course, coming out of the pandemic, when we're starting to see the companies really start stepping in. Yeah, I, I hope all the folks out there watching this and are, are going to watch this uh, on the replay, uh, really pay attention to this slide and this part of our business, because we think you get not only exposure to traditional e-commerce and e-commerce wholesale, uh, the delivering of goods, but also the enablement of e-commerce for other companies uh, like the other e-commerce uh, platforms out there. So. Uh, this is really important for us. So because we built all that technology, that end-to-end technology ourselves, uh, what we found ourselves is in a position where some folks were calling us and saying, well, there's not too many people I can call out there that has robotics, warehouse management software, inventory management software, the data models, uh, an ad platform, front-end kind of website and app. I can't access that with one call. You can call different front-end e-commerce providers, um, uh, whether... Uh, if you're a small to medium-sized business, whether Shopify or BigCommerce or any of these other folks, but that end-to-end system with one call, we feel like there's not a lot of folks out there. You, you basically count, uh, you know, of course, Boxed, 
Ocado in the UK is another big one out there. Um, so we think there's a lot of legs to this. Our first client here, this is not vaporware. Our first client is already signed. Um, earlier this year, we signed with one of the largest retailers in the world, uh, one of the largest retailers in Asia called Eon Group, A-E-O-N, $83 billion retailer, did a fulsome RFP, looked around the world for technology and picked us. And we're gonna launch with Malaysia uh, with them uh, in just a short time here. Um, so we're projecting out $12 million in just our first year of selling software. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. And I mean, the future is definitely looking great um, all the way up until I think it was uh, we can we can come down and make sure here. Uh, there it is. That 2026 target of 106. Definitely going to be watching that as we continue to move forward. Uh, next question that I have is going to be moving into uh, the evaluation here. Let's go to slide 38 here and, and let's take a look here. What I want to talk about here is when we talk about multiples, because EV uh, multiples here in 2021 revenue is really a, a focus major in, in this market. I mean, when we look at it, I'd kind of compare, you know, we're not talking about pets here, but uh, I, I like the Chewy comparison just because it's kind of an, a fully online option for you. And, and then you can go and then get kind of a, a bulk options. They've, they've been working on that bundles and stuff like that. So I, I do like that 3.8 towards 3.0. How are you guys able to accomplish this discount? And I'm sure SVOK wasn't too mad about this evaluation. <laughs> yeah, you know, when you guys announced the deal on the show, I was watching and I was like, we made it. We're on, we're on SPAC's attack, man. Uh, and go. this was something you guys pointed out. I think Chris pointed out, he's like, wait a minute, I'm reading this. And the more I like it, I, I like it. You know, the more I'm reading it, I like it because of this valuation. So um, we think there's a lot of upside here um, uh, in terms of, where we're coming out to market uh, with. And so hopefully folks uh, agree with us as well. When you look at kind of that Chewy comparison there, you know, if we're successful in building uh, uh, just the Chewy for humans, uh, I, I think when you, look, when you look back at the 600 plus million dollar EV, that um, uh, the pre-money EV that we're looking at, um, it's going to be, uh, uh, I think, looked back on as, as pretty good value. Um, and then you lop on some of the things that you saw on the right side there, uh, some of the software comps, um, then it just totally blows it out of the water. So, uh, and we think again, folks are getting exposure to both because we have not only the physical side of selling items, but also the selling of the software that underpins that business. So we think it's a pretty good valuation and a fair valuation. Definitely. Definitely. Don't forget about that 42.3% uh, re revenue Kager. I, I definitely like those numbers for my financial guys out there. Yeah. Uh, let, let's move into something a little bit more fun. What I love the customer service side, because I think this is so important in a business like yourself. Uh, so slide 18, I think is really great to look at because, you know, at the end of the day, loyalty is going to be so important, right? Having those sticky customers in a business like this is what it's all about. Because once you like the same way we, we try to build uh, loyal viewers for SPACs attack, we want to go ahead and give them that value and then them come back. So uh, let us right. know how, how's the loyalty here. I mean, 92 percent that that's that's as good as it gets here on the chart so let us know yeah so you know when you look at uh, an even more objective kind of reading our net promoter score our most recent read was a 69 which is really high when it comes to kind of uh, anyone selling physical goods out there and so we're really proud about that um the stickiness uh, uh is is good for our, for our business uh when you look at especially the b2b customer um it, it's really really good just because you know when you think about businesses once they order these things they have the credit card on file we we deliver to them on time in full um and there's that that uh that kind of win-win scenario that makes 
uh, not only B2C, but especially B2B, very, very sticky in terms of a customer base. Definitely. I'll point out one message on here that really stood out to me right here. Uh, thanks to Boxed Wholesale, ordered this last night, arrived in less than 24 hours. Now our league stocks concessions before the season starts. So I think hey, moments like that, you know, you definitely help them out. I mean, I remember going to the concession stands. I, I, I want I want my concession stand stocked up. So I think that's definitely a solution. I, so I, I, this is why I love the show. You guys actually read the materials and you guys kind of like dig in. You're reading that exact quote there. Um, and you might think out there, anyone watching this, well, why would anyone use Box? Like, can I go on Amazon or can I go? Well, there's a perfect example, that concession stand. Um, they're going to probably order 500 bucks, maybe $1,000 worth of snacks from us. And when you think I got to stock up a full concession stand, a lot of folks don't generally, or a lot of folks their initial reaction is not to shop the regular places where they just buy a single box of Cracker Jacks and get it delivered in two days or less. So um, that wholesale experience, that's a perfect, perfect use case, especially if they're living out in rural areas. What else do they have really have access to? There's not a physical Costco probably close to them. There's not a physical Sam's Club close to them. And so uh, we are that stopgap for a lot of folks out there that, that are, are sometimes heavily ignored. Yeah, I love the hashtag, feed the players. So yeah. it looks like you fed the players. So I think they'll we definitely did. appreciate that. We did. Uh, and, you know, last year uh, um, we had a lot of those uh, in terms of customer service tickets that said, you know, like you're, you're a lifesaver because we got, you, we got people toilet paper. And so I never in a million years would have thought uh, that would have been the case. Uh, but hey, it was gold. here we it are, man. Li liquid gold. Yeah, liquid <laughs> gold. <laughs> You know, it was funny because we also like I also got messages from, you know, middle school friends, high school friends. I hadn't talked to in years were texting me. It's like, hey, listen, brother, we haven't talked in years. But you, you got, got that, that paper. paper? <laughs> <laughs> you got that paper, man. <laughs> I was like, yes, I do. And I'll, dro I'll drop it off at your house, you know, in this shady kind of back alley deal. But uh, but yeah, so it, it was a wild year for us. So, so just leading away and segueing into, let's take a look at the customers, right? And, and so what, what would you describe as your average customer? I mean, we have different segments here, but what would you describe as the average customer? Yeah, so our average customer these days uh, does not actually live in an urban area. So a lot of the folks out there that said, well, I have all these different options. That's great if you live in an urban area, even like, like I do. You know, there are quite a few options. Uh, but especially as you go out into the, the deep suburbs, small towns, and especially if you go out into rural areas all across the country, um, that's becoming our core customer these days, folks who don't have access to physical wholesale, and because of the pandemic, are starting to come online. So when you think about e-commerce uh, uh, and why it's growing so fast, Mitch, you know, especially in grocery, it's not that tech-savvy folks like me, you, or the folks watching this today uh, were like, oh my gosh, I suddenly discovered online grocery. Like, what a great thing. We all knew about online grocery. We're tech savvy, tech forward. We knew about it. Um, it's actually a lot of the folks uh, uh, who traditionally didn't have access to online grocery, didn't think online first because there weren't great options that are beginning to come online. And we think that's going to be a good tailwind uh, uh, for us. Yeah, you know, one of the things is uh, you, you don't know until you try, right? One of those yeah. kind of things. And, and a lot of things like that are in life. Um, you know, we, we don't know the convenience of it until we actually try. And then we're like, man, that was, that was pretty convenient. I mean, you know, so. so Mitch, I, you know, what you were saying before about the dial up, like, I don't think anyone who is from that era will ever forget the first time that they dialed in. There was like that sound and you're just like, oh, my gosh, I just broke my, my machine. So yeah, like, what's uh, going and then on you got, there? yeah. And then you got on to whatever you like. 
um, a BBS board or, or, you know, AOL or Sierra, whatever you guys were using back there, back then. I mean, it was just a magical experience. And I think it's the same thing with technology time and time and again, the first time you get into an electric car, the first time you get into, um, uh, or first time you ever use your first smartphone. You know, I still remember I was using a flip phone and then, you know, someone had an iPhone 2G, like the one with the silver back. And I was like, what, what sorcery is this? I can't believe this is happening. Um, and so I think with online grocery, the same thing, like very few people would shop online and think, wow, that was a really dumb thing. And this is going to go away. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I, mean, I think it's the future. You could just think about it with clothes. I mean, there was at one point, I don't think there was a single person buying clothes online, but now yeah. majority of clothes is bought online, shoes okay. online, you know, everything online. So what's not to say that we, we just continue to move forward and, and continue to move into the convenience. I know I use services to go ahead and fulfill my needs. And I think that we're going to continue seeing this trend grow. Let's go ahead and yeah. bring Chris back. Uh, yeah, uh, one I, last thing there, Mitch. Uh, yeah. It's just when you look at the adoption curves of e-commerce in different industries, they generally only go in one direction. You don't see like, mm -hmm. oh, huge adoption. And everyone decided that was dumb to buy that online and then go down. So we think there's a lot of runway for us here. Yeah, perfect. You know, Che, I'm loving this interview, you know, full of energy, you know, talking dial up, talking, you know, liquid <laughs> liquid gold, you know, with the toilet paper shortage. So some great answers here. We have a couple questions from the chat here. One of um, you already touched on, but I'm wondering if you can expand. This is for one of our loyal, loyal viewers, John. He's wondering, what does the new relationship with Eon all about? providing total warehouse system and software for them or more? Can you maybe just break down some of the, the terms of this deal? So John, great question. Well, great question from John. Uh, question right back to him is, did he smash the like button yet? Because, you know, <laughs> hey, this says that every, you know, and so it should be a rule Boom. from now on. If you didn't smash the like button, you ain't asking the question. <laughs> and so uh, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But uh, John, it is a great question. We've got asked a lot uh, on the road. And so Eon, big retailer for their Malaysia business unit as a first go at it, uh, they're licensing all the software that powers the box business. They're white labeling it or we're white labeling it and basically overlaying it their in-store and online network. So when you go into an Eon Malaysia mall uh, uh, or one of their supermarkets or their department stores, um, it's going to be box software that's really powering a lot of that omni-channel experience. Uh, we did not uh, license the robotics to them uh, just yet. Uh, but in the future, you could definitely see that being potentially part of that package. So again, front end systems, inventory management, warehouse management systems, um, all the software. We're not building physical infrastructure for them, like physical warehouses for them or fulfillment centers. Uh, we're, we're using our software to power that for them. So all the software that Box built, white label for an enterprise client um, uh, in Malaysia. Perfect. And then one more question here from NCAL, another loyal viewer here. What is their strategy to gain customers from existing big guys like Walmart, Costco, and Amazon? Is it organically through promotions or paid ads? Can you just break down, you know, a little bit of that customer acquisition, uh, you know, targets for the company? Yeah, so traditionally word of mouth and, and folks just talking about us uh, at the consensus stand and at, the, at especially different small and medium-sized businesses, that was very heavy for us. Um, you know, uh, when we now have access to all this capital that's about to come in, uh, we're actually going to drive awareness. And so we traditionally haven't uh, uh, done big brand campaigns, big TV ads, 
um, uh, and big kind of uh, uh, paid advertising campaign. So we think this is the first time we'll have access to the budget to really go deep into that. And so other people will be able to hear about us. So we've also heard uh, anecdotally uh, is that, you know, when you when we present box to folks, they're like, wow, this is probably one of the biggest revenue companies that I've never heard of. You know, how did that happen? Well, word of mouth and not having the amount of capital to really push marketing is partially of how that happens. Uh, but now, again, through the SPAC product, uh, we're able to uh, raise a lot of money uh, and be able to actually spend consistently and smartly uh, in paid advertising channels. Awesome. Well, I think it's, that's going to do it for our questions, those questions from the chat. You know, you guys heard it. Che said, smash the like. Another great interview here on SPACs Attack. You know, Che, I, I got to say, you know, big shout out to you for, you know, uh, the praise of the show, for being a viewer, for saying you made it when you were, you know, mentioned on SPACs Attack. It's so great to hear, you know, CEOs that that watch the show, that like the show. So, you know, I, I got to say my hat's off to you for, for that as well. Um, you know, so again, joining us on the show today, Che Huang. He is the CEO and co-founder of Box, the company going public with Seven Oaks Acquisition Corp. That ticker is SVOK. Thank you again, uh, Che, for joining us on the show today. Thanks, gentlemen. I will be in the comment section uh, in future shows, so watch out. Uh, Smash <laughs> that like. Just type that. Watch in, out! In watch out, chat. guys. Hey, we definitely right, appreciate it. Right, definitely good. appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right, guys. Another exclusive interview, and that's really what it's all about. As you guys see, not only getting the information that you guys want to hear, but having a good time. That's what it's about, guys. Give us a big thumbs up. Hit the share button. Let everybody know how great of an interview this was so that if they missed it, they can go ahead and see this. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, what a fun interview. We have fun on SPACs Attack, right, Mitch? I mean, what a, what, a, what a nice, you know, interview, those nice compliments from Che, you know, that's that's always nice to hear, you know, that, that CEOs are watching the show, you know, because again, you know, even if your company does a SPAC deal, you might want to hear, you know, about others in the sector. You want to hear about how SPAC deals are helping other companies. So I think that's some great research there too. But yeah, you know, it looks like you guys in the chat, you know, are, are loving this interview. The, the honesty we got from Che, you know, some great questions there from the chat as always. You know, Mitch, this this company, I, I, I like your questions on the technology, right? That was some of the stuff I really wanted to hear more about. We all know about, you know, shipping items to houses, you know, e-commerce, online grocery, but to hear, you know, some of the the SaaS business model, you know, the the selling their product to other companies, you know, with the inventory management and, and all that, I, I really like that talk. So, you know, that was the hey, key for me. You, you know, one of the things that you always ask yourself is, uh, could I work for that CEO? Sometimes <laughs> I think about that for uh, like kind of when I see a company and I'm thinking about investing in it, that's when I buy a CEO, right? And so, hey, shout out, I, I, I got that good feeling. I'm sure everybody else got that good feeling mentioned in the chat. Uh, Jordan mentioning here, great demeanor. Hope the company does great for sure. Holding long-term for them. And I agree. Great demeanor. And, and with that being said, you, you, a leader, right? You always need a great leader behind a great company. So uh, definitely a shout out, shout out. We'll keep it going. Uh, let, let, let's talk a little bit, guys. If you guys haven't checked them out, I know that they're working on getting that name out there. So might as well go ahead and point it out here, guys. Check out 
at Boxed Wholesale. At Boxed Wholesale, that's their Twitter. They got over 20,000 followers. They put up flash sales on there, guys. So who Ooh. knows? Maybe maybe you get a little flash sale action and, and get a little discount also. So wanted to give that information out there. Check it out. Looks like my man Matt Higgins also checking them out. Gary V also following there. So that, that's just, that should tell you enough, right? I, yeah, mean, I mean, if Gary V follows them, I mean, that that's a big Gary sign, v, of, Matt a Higgins, sign of support. So that, they know their businesses, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, let's face it. We know e-commerce, we know online retail, but you know, this company, I think maybe is under the radar and, and I love the energy from Che. And, you know, again, that's what we're all about on the show, Mitch is, you know, I can read the information, you know, right from the press release, from the presentation, but to hear the CEO, you know, digest that information, tell us why it's important. You know, again, I, I like to think I'm pretty smart at reading, you know, through the lines, but to hear some of this spelled out, I think really helps, you know, make the investment case for SBOK here. So, you know, I, I, I love this interview, man. I got to tell you that. I, I like it so much. You guys don't hear me do this often. I'll give another shout out. I'll say Boke Life. Save 15% off off your first order. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Hey, you're selling his product. The he's Boke sell- Life. He's- He's getting us likes. I mean, that's a mutually beneficial relationship. So hey, hey, shout out day, to, to Che again. Yeah. I don't like to leave my house. I'll tell you one thing. Uh, I've been to a couple of Costco's before. <laughs> Not the most fun and also a little bit dangerous when you see those TVs on the left-hand side. So who knows? Maybe Box starts selling some TVs. We'll be looking for that. Yeah. And I mean, remember during the pandemic, right? The toilet paper, toilet paper shortages and you I saw, you know, the... The lines of people at Costco and, you know, the shelves not having it. And then you had a company like Box where once people saw, hey, I can get toilet paper shipped to my house in bulk from this company. So you try it out. And then what happens? You end up liking it, right? I mean, they have a 90% customer rating. Like, that's awesome too, Mitch, which you brought up, you know, in your questions. You know, customer satisfaction, right? I used to work in restaurants. It's all about customer, you know, uh, relationships. And this is a a company proving, yeah, that they care about their customers and and the loyalty. And, you know, again, I, I can't say enough about, you know, just... Just seeing Chase smile and laugh with us and tell us about his company, I think, is a positive sign. And Mitch, I, I mean, you know, I, I wish I could have said it myself. You said it, you know, a, a CEO that that you would work for, right? That that's a big deal, you know, to to really believe in something like that. Yeah, no, I mean, one of the things that you can always do is try to get a read from people. And, and that's what I try to do all the time. And, and when you get a good read, you got to go with it. Um, right here, one of the things that I'd point out on this stock, I'm looking at the daily chart starting to re- uh, really assess when I want to start taking an investment. So uh, I'm going to be paying attention. I'm not investing in this one right now, full disclosure, not in this one, but definitely taking a look at it here. Um, one of the things that I'd point out is we went into a little bit of a bearish pattern here when we went crack down here after kind of uh, right here on the pop on the 11th. Now you've had a down up, one up, down to second up here it could test back down below maybe closer towards the 980s one thing to keep an eye out though is this big volume that came in on that announcement with 5.87 million shares traded so that high is very important that high there is 988 we haven't cracked that level multiple days you see how it's just sideways 
So that's why it's so, it so important. It could have been a big plus size order there. And you want to see it get through that level and close above that level. And so now that we're on this sideways trend, do we come back down and test that level here, like this 980s? Or do we come up through those 988s? That's what I'm going to be watching for here on SVOK 7 Oaks. Yeah, and Mitch, if you, if you scale back a little on that chart, mm -hmm. you know, back to, to March. So yeah. it, you see in March, that's when this was rumored. So if you look at what happened when this deal was rumored, that, that spike there, that mm -hmm. volume bar there, you know, people liked this deal. They liked the company and they were interested. And then, of course, we saw a couple months of, you know, SPACs on the decline, falling out of favor. So what happened was this thing, you know, fell below $10, right? As we saw several, you know, pre-deal announcement SPACs drop below $10. And now when the deal was announced, you know, you got some positive momentum and you're seeing that sideways action now. You know, again, this is one that's got some catalysts coming, right? It just got announced in June. So you still have, you know, a deal vote probably coming in the third or fourth quarter. You've got the announcement of the deal. You've got the vote on the deal. And, and I think you're going to get more, you know, press, more coverage from a company like this. So this is one of those where by the end of the year, I think gets some more interest and you're going to see it trading, you know, over $10 consistently as it gets closer to, uh, you know, completing that merger. But, uh, you know, definitely an exciting uh, uh, company to watch here. Uh, definitely. You know, Jay talking about in the chat here. At the end of the day, it's convenience. Yeah, absolutely. Convenience. Shopping online. I mean, how, how long have we done that now with, you know, Amazon, all these other services? And, and it's just natural, right? To, to bring, you know, some of the online grocery to, to also, you know, where you don't have to leave your house. You don't have to go fight with lines. You know, you All don't right. have to worry about stuff. But it looks like we're hitting noon, Mitch. I mean, yeah, we're hitting noon. I wanted to bring something up before we get on out of here. Go Just ahead. to mention uh, MAPS is on the move, on the move. So I wanted to bring it up there. You know, we like to definitely keep you on, on target with stocks that are making moves up. So MAPS, as you can see, the last uh, 15 minutes so the last 15 minutes. So one of the things is when I see a 15 minute breakout, if it's like the last 15 minutes, I'll actually go back to the 15 minute chart because you want to see that kind of breakout. How big was that extension in 15 minutes and where could the pullback come back to? This is the important thing of using multiple time frames. I think too many traders out there, uh, especially if you're a trader, only use one chart. And that's that's definitely a deterrent. Uh, it's kind of going to hurt you because you're not going to see the levels a lot of the times. It's not that you you can't see them on a sh on a shorter time frame, but a lot of the times you're going to be able to miss the pullback looks. Um, so, I mean, you guys know how I am. I definitely like to get my pullbacks. And so right here on the 15 minute, yes, we came back down towards support. We tried to crack it multiple times. I'm going to show you right now. So this was the support, right? Right at the pre-market hour. It comes right to it, right at the market. What does it do, guys? It starts to try to crack it. Let's Let's do some drawing here. So if you look at it, it tried to crack right here, right at the open, right? And then it comes back up, bounces up. So like you get this downward action right at the open, first trying to break, pops above it, right? Comes back down, second time to break it. Then comes back up, tries to push out again. Then comes back to break down again. Third time to try to break down, guys, the rule of three. Once you see those rule of threes, a lot of times what you can do is you can just go based off of that support right underneath it. Like call support underneath that. Now you at least have your risk management and you can look for that move back up towards the pre-market high. 
pre-market high being up here towards, let's say, 18, 1890s, just even that alone, that's a good look. You're talking about a risk that's kind of more of this block look, and you're talking about a reward all the way up here. You're definitely talking about it better than the two-to-one look. Sorry for my horrible drawing skills. but I love it. That's an NFT right there. I, I'm going <laughs> to bid on that. But Mitch, it, it looks like we're out of time. Couple out of notes, time, out of time, notes, out of time, out of wine. couple notes real quick. Um, I know someone in the chat asked us yesterday, Avpoint. We have TJ joining us on the show once again tomorrow to talk about Avpoint. AVPT recently tomorrow. completed its merger. And also, Mitch, I know we've talked about sports. We have the NBA Finals going on. And wouldn't you know, there's actually a SPAC that is involved. And I'll tell you how on tomorrow's show, which former SPAC you may want to take a look at if you like NBA basketball. So uh, a little preview there. But uh, that's going to do it. Uh, Stay tuned for Power Hour next. And as always, uh, SPACs Attack, 11 a.m. We'll be back tomorrow. Like always, guys, we'll see you next time on the Specs.